And the reason why I had to share about the message of inclusion first, whether you believe it or not, right? That God included all of mankind, that God is inside everybody. Then if you could accept that message, then you'll, it won't be that difficult to accept the teaching that I'm going to be giving now. Now, I've been teaching healing for several years, since 2006. And most of my teachings when it comes to healing was within the charismatic stream. We call Christian Christianity, right? Now, what I started to realize once I got a message of this inclusion that everybody was included in Christ and that everybody has God in their life, that opened up more doors on me to explore other people that are not called Christian, yet they believe in healing. Now, some of us just hearing that could even feel uncomfortable just hearing that, <laughs> right? Because here's, here's my point, folks. Christians do not have a monopoly on God. Christians do not have a monopoly on God nor on healing. What does that mean? We as Christians or Catholics or whatever you want to call it, we do not own God. We are not the only ones who know how to heal. God is not that small. God is not that limited saying, I'm only going to heal you if you're a Christian. Do you know many non-Christians that don't get, or do you know many Christians that don't get healed? And if some of you have explored this issue or know some people that are not Christian, you've seen some people get well and get healed. I know I have. See, so why is that? And so one of the things that I'm going to be doing, which is it's exciting for me because the first time I was able to teach this, this stuff that's not strictly Christian, yet there's still some, I don't even want to say Christian. My focus is being Christ-like. There's a difference because there's not that many Christians that look like Christ. So my, my main goal is to be Christ-like. What does Christ reveal about the heart of God when it comes to healing? What I'm going to be admitting here is that I've been studying I've studied some of the best guys that we've learned in history. You read books about Smith Wigglesworth. You read about John G. Lake. You hear a lot of people even today within the charismatic movement. I was able to study healing under the vineyard. I don't know if you heard of the vineyard before. The vineyard was the movement in America that they were, they were called the leaders of the signs and wonders movement. I was able to do some ministry there. And so I'm not going to get into too much detail of my story because I want to get straight to the teaching because it's long, okay? But I'm giving you a background that I'm not sacrificing the things that I've been taught from the Christian church. What I am acknowledging, though, is that there are other aspects of healing that many Christian churches are not aware of, but yet they're within groups of people that are not labeled as Christian, and yet I still believe you could still hold them together. Now, for many of us, we've never heard of quantum healing, and this is happening in the world today, and yet many of us as Christians have no idea why, because Christians are not talking about it. Because we only think that we are the only ones that understand healing through the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, there are many groups in this world that, ha that learn how to tune into this power, but yet they're not called Christian. Now, many people will say it's demonic then. It's not. If you look at the principles and the teachings that they have, I would see videos on YouTube of people that are getting healed from people that are not even Christian. And I'll see YouTube comments saying, well, it doesn't matter because this is all demonic. It's from the devil. Folks, these people are being healed of cancer. Even the Bible says, why would Satan cast out Satan? If these really were things that were from the devil, you better thank the devil for healing your mom of cancer. 
I'm going to throw out some names here for, for, for people that have influenced me. So this is not original. I'm not a scientist. I'm going to be talking about physics. Okay? And so I'm going to be sharing some names with you so you can do your homework on this and look into some of these authors and speakers more that have influenced me that just in case I forget to quote them when I share a bunch of stuff about uh, the way quantum energy works, I'm giving credit to them because I learned it from them. This is not original. Okay, so there are people like Greg Braden, Alexander Lloyd. Then you have guys like Amit Goswami, who's also a nuclear physicist, well-known in that world, where he's able to explore what, what con the power of consciousness, that you know we're not just material beings, right? There's an immaterial aspect to us of consciousness, that consciousness grounds all being. Then you also have people like uh, Eric Pearl, who's known for reconnective healing. So I could go on and on and on of all these people that are, are, I think, some of the pioneers for what is called energy healing, that is consistent with Christian healing. They're just using different terms. That's it. So you'll meet a lot of people who talk about how the divine within them. Well, don't we believe the same thing? We just don't say the divine because it sounds so new agey. We'll say God is in you. <laughs> or sometimes people will feel energy while they're getting healed. They say, I feel electricity and tingling. But what do us Christians like to call it? Oh, that's the Holy Ghost that's come upon you. It's the same thing except they're calling it by a different name. And this is where we have to open up our minds to see that God is so big, He's not limited to a small group of people called Christianity or Christians. But yet He has love for all of mankind, all of humanity. And keep this in mind, truth is truth no matter where it is found. I'll say that again. Truth is truth no matter where it is found, no matter whose mouth it comes out of. If I see a prostitute down the street saying two plus two is four, am I not going to believe her because she's a prostitute? If a Buddhist down the street says, we need to love one another, should I not listen to that Buddhist even though he said love one another because he's a Buddhist? And yet you could hear another person who's a Christian that says, God is angry at you and he's going to punish you. You see what I'm saying? So Christians can speak truths. Non-Christians can speak truths, and Christians can speak falsehoods and lies, right? And so can non-Christians. So I'm not saying that one group is more special than the other. All I'm saying is that God is included, has included all of humanity with wisdom. Keep whatever tradition that is true. Don't just keep a tradition because it's sacred and your, your denomination has held it. Keep a tradition if it's true, but reject all the tradition that's not true and, ex and accept all truth that you've discovered from the mouths of people that are not even Christians. Now, this is going to be surprising for a lot of people. Is all truth contained in this book? No. Now, does this Bible contain truth? Yes. Now, why are some of you not going to Bible college to study only the Bible? Because the Bible doesn't teach you everything about biology or about physics. Or about psychology. It could give us some ideas from the wisdom from the past, so I'm not negating this book. My point is that we're learning so many things throughout history that many people are only stuck on this book saying, this contains everything. No, it doesn't. This contains many truths. But this is just one truth among many truths. Not saying that everyone, what, it's not saying that whatever you believe is true, 
But that truth is not only contained in this book. If this truth, if only truth was contained in this book, we shouldn't be reading Christian books. You should only be sticking to the Bible. But why do you read Christian books? Because some of those Christian books help explain what you don't understand in the Bible. Is that true? Some of us, we've read Christian books, right? Some of you have read books about parenting. Now, it could get a couple of principles from the Bible from, about parenting, about raising up your children in the ways of the Lord, but it doesn't teach you everything about how to raise a child in this generation. Some of your books on parenting teaches you about psychology. You guys get my point? I'm, I'm, I know I'm hammering it in. But my point is this. All truth is truth no matter where it is found. And in my discovery of healing within the past year, I've been doing healing for six years and it's been going pretty well. But ever since I've been learning more about quantum healing and quantum energy from people that are Christian and non-Christian scientists and physicists, it's even made my belief in healing even stronger. Because now we see that healing is not something that you just ask God to do for you, but healing is actually built into this world. And the responsibility is no longer on God now. Now, this is very challenging for a lot of Christians. I'm going to be teaching you a healing that doesn't make you ask God for healing anymore, but it's you that will be doing the healing. And this is not an arrogant statement to make, but I'm showing you that healing is already built into this world. It's just people need to access it. If it was so dependent upon God to heal people, we should blame God for a lot of deaths of people that we know. If healing was so normal that you could just ask God, then why are you having me come here to teach you about healing? Right? Because you don't really need me, right? If it's all dependent upon God, you could just say, God, can you please heal my grandma, my Lola? And then all of a sudden, he doesn't heal your grandma. And another person comes along who's sick, and then you have another Christian who's more seasoned in healing. Can you pray for so-and-so? They say, sure. So that person prays for your Lola, they get healed. Why is that? Why didn't God heal them? God did, and God was able to work through a person to make it come about and manifest. You see, folks, here, I'm trying to be as clear as possible. If I go to a hospital with a bunch of sick people, a bunch of sick babies, and my heart is full, filled with compassion, saying, God, why aren't these people well? This just breaks my heart, God. Why aren't you healing them? Why do they have to be like this? You know what that will imply? That we have more compassion than God does. Because I would say, if I had the power, God, I'd heal them and I wouldn't leave them like that. But yet you, God, you're not doing it. Why? Because we've misunderstood the way healing works. It's not about getting God to do everything. It's about waking up and realizing that God has given you everything. This is the whole teaching that I'm going to be giving you. I'm not here to show anybody that anybody's special. Look, look at the way I dress. Do I look like a typical healer? They always compare me to Suarez here, the priest. I never even met Suarez before. I don't know how he dresses, but, but look at me. I'm a normal guy because I'm trying to show people here in the Philippines that you don't have to be special. If I could change the language a bit, no one's special, but in another sense, I could say everybody's special because everybody can do healing. Not just the pastors, not those who went to Bible school, not those in leadership, not those who are just anointed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everybody has Christ fully. And if I could mess with your mind a little bit and remove all the lies that keep you and hinder you from believing that you can do it, and then I empower you with the alternative saying, if you just believe this, watch healing will flow naturally. This is, this is meant to empower us. 
just like I've been empowered. Because I'm telling you, this healing stuff, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, is, it's mechanical. And many Christians, they don't want to believe that. They think it's just all about if you have the right atmosphere or if the worship team is putting you in the mood. You don't have to have any of that stuff to, to have the power. It's already there. It's just a question of whether or not you're aware of it. Imagine if I always need the worship team behind me in order for the presence of God to be strong and for healing to happen, then that means I could never do a healing in the mall. Because then I'll have to call out the worship team before I pray for somebody at the mall. And we've done healings at Mega Mall, at uh, Market Market, in High Street. We didn't have to get in the mood. We didn't have to pray and say, hold on, hold on, before I pray for you, let me do a couple minutes and earn it. <laughs> no, it's because I've, we've already renewed our minds that, no, no, we already have this. And if it's mechanical, I could do it anytime, place, anywhere. That's the good news. If your good news can't do that, that's not good news. I'm going to talk about the word miracle and how I think I've, I've even misunderstood miracle for many years. I've understood a miracle as God's divine intervention in something, right? I just say someone is sick, standard medication is, here's some medicine to deal with your symptoms, you get better. But when it comes to a miracle, you don't need the medication, just God intervenes supernaturally. I even start to stay away from that term supernatural now. Because it makes it seem like it's out there. That God is out there intervening. But it's about knowing who we are and walking in this divine authority and dominion and us causing things to happen. That's how much power that we have. Now, instead of me looking at the way that miracles are a divine intervention from God, I like looking at it like this. Because many skeptics, especially because I study philosophy in school, They'll say miracles are impossible because they are a direct violation of the laws of nature. Now, I would say, no. I don't think miracles are a direct violation of the laws of nature. They're a direct violation of the way we once understood nature to be like. And I'm going to be giving you a bunch of rules and laws, not in the legalistic sense, but principles that you can use to see on how healing works. And when you look at the word technique there, I'm going to be teaching you all these techniques but I'm telling you now, these techniques ultimately don't even matter. Because you're going to go from churches to churches of, of, of specially gifted healers that will teach you to say, say Jesus' name as if it's a magic word, as if it's a mantra. Jesus, 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 or even speak in tongues and say banana backwards. -la 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 -la. Then you start speaking. You see, they're, they're, they're almost manipulating your mind. Okay, I'm going to be very blunt here. I'm telling you, these techniques that I'm going to be teaching are not about having these techniques. These techniques bring you to a state of being. Whatever works for you to get you at a place of consciousness where you believe, then do whatever works for you when it comes to healing. There's no one right style or technique to do healing. You don't have to have anointing oil. Now, when I was first in healing, I would always carry this anointing oil in my backpack because I was taught that or I have to say certain prayers, or I have to pray really hard. Let me ask you this, folks. What does praying hard even mean? I don't even know what that means anymore. Pray hard. What does that mean? Scream really loud? Pray for 10 hours? If, if you have to pray so hard, hello, folks, if we are living under grace, it's not about working hard. Being under grace is what? It's a life of rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But we like earning it, right? As human beings, as religious people, I earned it. I prayed. I fasted. No, 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 no. You're wasting your time. 
those things, you probably started seeing more miracles because you probably started doing those things because you thought that's what you had to do in order to heal. But I, I could show you how to do healing without any of those things. If you could be at a place, if I could renew your mind, because I can't give you what you already have. Right? I can't give it to you. You already have it. But many of us Christians, we don't think we have it. You have to touch me. And then you'll get my anointing. And all I'm saying about all those teachings within the church, you could throw it in the garbage. And I'm that strong against it because it creates people and puts people on a pedestal to treat them as they're special. And the rest of us, oh, you have to come to me. I'm the special healer. Get rid of that. That is not the kingdom. The kingdom is that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We are all now one. And all I'm here to do is to tell you what you already have and to renew your mind. See, so all I'm doing is that I'm bringing to a state of being. We're not human doings, diba. Right? We are called human beings. Now, in ni- before 1905, there was pe- science was basically uh, followed what, what is called Newtonian physics. And don't worry, I'm going to break this down. According to Newtonian physics, when you take an atom, they believe that that atom is basically hard, solid matter. But guess what they discovered? You get an electron microscope and you look closely at the atom and the closer and the closer and closer you look at the atom, guess what's going to happen? It's going to disappear. Why? Because ultimately that atom is not hard, solid matter. It is energy. You look at your hand, you look at the table, you think it's hard, solid matter. But if you take a microscope and you go closer and closer and closer, guess what's going to happen? It'll eventually disappear. You're going to say, where did it go? Because that's the thing. Everything is energy. What people used to believe before is that you take two things, and in between those two things is what we call empty space. That's according, according to Newtonian physics, that in between things, between you two people, it's empty space. But then according to what's been revealed, is that there's nothing in between people or things called empty space. In between is what? Energy. And that's why there's a guy with crazy hair that wrote on a chalkboard that said E equals MC squared. Who's that? Albert Einstein. After that, in 1905, it changed the world. Energy can come in visible form in the sense of a particle. And energy could also be an invisible wave. And all energy consists of three elements. Frequency, wavelength, and a color spectrum. So everything that you see around you is actually energy right now. Okay? Now, th- this is wild for people because they don't, they don't believe that. You could have someone touch your hand and all of a sudden you can know their thoughts. But in the prophetic movement, we call that word of knowledge or the prophetic gifting. I'm telling you, call it whatever you want. It's quantum physics. Haven't you, us folks, sometimes where you're thinking of a person in your mind, then all of a sudden you get a call from that person, you're like, hey, I was just thinking about you right now. Why? Because we're all connected together somehow with this energy. There's nothing in between us that separates us, like I said. We are all connected together. In fact, there's, there's an experiment that was done. Of a, there was a subject who had the cell scraped from the roof of his mouth. And, this, and the cells from the roof of the mouth was put inside of a test tube. And that test tube was uh, uh, hooked up to what is called a polygraph or a lie detector. 
So they set up the cells that were scraped off from the roof of the guy's mouth, or the person's mouth. They put it in a test tube, hooked it up to a polygraph, and they put this other guy in another part of the building, and they let him watch TV shows. As he was watching these television shows, there were different kinds. There were some that were violent. There were some that were peaceful and calm. Every time this person was watching and reacted to that particular TV show, the cells in that test tube were reacting. It had the same physiological arousal and reaction every time when he watched something violent, it reacted. And he's not even in the same room. He's in a different part of the building. Then he watched something violent, there was the same physiological arousal and reaction as well with those cells. And then guess what they did to make it even more interesting? They put that person 50 miles apart from his cells. Same reaction. Why? Because everything within you is connected together. This is why you can do something called distant healing. Why do some of us say, can you please pray for so-and-so and they're at home? Why does distant healing work? Because we're all connected together. So even if your family is at home or they're in another country, if your faith or your intent can reach there and focus on there, that's why it's able to affect their body. Because we're all connected somehow in this world. Did you know that everything, everything including us, we consist of vibrations and frequencies? Did you know that? Now when we think about this whole power that we have in this world, Believe it or not, many of you, actually all of us, feel it every single day. Did you know that? Every single day. It's just that you're not aware of it. For example, some of us are finally aware of the fan. But before I said that, you weren't aware of the fan. You were only aware of my voice. Or sometimes we're outside and we're talking with our friends and we're totally, we can't, we're not even paying attention to the noise of the streets or the kids playing. It's there but you're not aware. And I'm gonna be teaching you folks on how to tap into or how to tune into this whole energy and power that is around us and even in us. The Bible says in Proverbs that whatever a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Proverbs 23, I believe. Whatever he thinketh in his heart, so he is. Is. Let me tell you how powerful your thoughts are. There was a, 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 an experiment that was done that Alexander Lloyd mentioned where there was human DNA put in a test tube and then it was placed on the person's hand and then the subject was asked to think of painful memories while holding the DNA in his hand. While he was holding the DNA in his hand and he was thinking all of these painful memories, they took the DNA from the test tube they examined it, and guess what happened to the DNA? It was damaged from all these painful, destructive memories. Then all of a sudden, they did it again. They put the test tube in the guy's hands, the DNA, and they said, I want you to think about something positive. Then he started thinking, the subject started to think positive thoughts, and they examined the DNA, and guess what happened again? It was healed. Healed. Do you see the power of your thoughts? That it could actually damage your body or it could heal your body through positive thinking? And we're always blaming the devil. <laughs> now let me just share that it's been, for the past 10 to 15 years, it's been universally accepted that the number one cause of sickness is stress. 
stress. Now that's crazy because like we don't think that. And we don't realize that the little thoughts that we have in our mind actually trigger effects in our body. And if you have one negative thought that's left unchecked, and then you have another negative thought that's left unchecked, and you have another negative thought that left, that's left unchecked, guess what happens to your body? It starts to degrade. It starts to get sick. You start having the sniffles. You start having pains in your back. Because we don't realize the power of our minds. It's powerful. The number one cause, some people say that 95%, 90, if not 95% of all sicknesses are caused by stress. It's at least universally accepted right now. So what about the 5%? Genetics. When you have a negative thought, the only way you could change that negative thought is not by binding demons all the time. It's by replacing a negative thought with a positive thought. Now, right now, if some of you guys, some of you folks are discouraged right now, I'll encourage you, I want you to imagine somebody that you love right now. Imagine them in your mind that you love. Now, why are some of you smiling? Because all of a sudden, you picture someone you love or you picture your baby smiling at you. Then all of a sudden, what happens to your spirit? You get encouraged. You get uplifted. And then people don't realize that scientifically it's proven that a positive thought is a hundred times more powerful than a negative thought. It really is. Think of somebody that you love. Think of eating your favorite food right now. Think of your child hugging you really tight. How does that make you feel? And I guess to some degree, the way our body is, is a result of what is up here. Now, people don't want to believe that. They'll just say, no, nah, this is just, this is just um, mind over matter. Well, it is. <laughs> this is very powerful, folks. The way our mind functions, I'm telling you, if you have one negative thought that's left unchecked, you will notice the effect on your body. And you don't even know why it's there. Do you see that? And if you want to change, you cannot change your circumstances immediately. But what you can do is that you can change what goes on here. And if you could change on what goes on here in your mind, then your outside will change. Okay, because I'm not just going to, I don't want to just throw you Bible verses. I want to give you facts and Bible verses. But sometimes many of us, we're not convinced until we hear facts. <laughs> you know, we've heard it in the Bible all the time, but we still don't believe. But let me give you both. This is what happens with our minds. When you have positive and negative thinking, when you're always talking about your sickness, and you're telling everybody, Oi, go on the man, please pray for me. You know, and you're just telling everybody, going around. Guess what you're doing? You're not going to get any better. With that negative thinking and with that negative speaking, you're just creating that reality for yourself. It's once you start changing the way you think and speaking differently, then you'll start noticing a change. There was a woman who was diagnosed with breast cancer. So what happened is that what she did, this woman literally, for every day, she didn't wake up and say, God, can you please heal me of my breast cancer? Now, as Christians, we would commend her and say, wow, praise God, you're trusting God for healing. What did she do? Every morning, she woke up and said, thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. And guess what else she did? She chose to keep watching funny movies. Why? 
What do they say is the best medicine? Laughter is the best medicine that if you could keep yourself in a positive state of mind, your body will start to respond. You get two people who have cancer. One of the cancer patients is like, I'm dying. I only have six months to live. Here's my will. And they're speaking and they're believing their life to get worse and worse. You get what you believe. And another person says, no, I don't accept this. God, thank you for my healing, that I'm healed. Then that's what happened. Three months later, from the time she was diagnosed to the time she discovered she had no, the cancer was completely gone, three months, no chemo, no radiation. There was another guy, when it comes to the power of positive thinking, who had a degenerative disease that affected his spine. So he decided to stop all standard medication. And what he did is that, they, in, in their words, he submerged himself in happiness. The same thing, he watched funny movies and he read his favorite comic books because it makes him happy. And guess what happened? He was miraculously healed because his body responded to his positive thoughts. It's, your thoughts are so powerful. That's why I tell people, if you are sick and everyone is speaking death into you, like, oh, I'm so sorry for you, I feel so bad, tell them to leave the room. I'm serious. It will affect you. Watch your favorite movie I was telling people yesterday. Eat your favorite food. Go to the places that you'll... When you feel good, life starts getting better. When you start focusing on the negative, that's what you'll stay in. Now, words and consciousness are very important. Proverbs also talks about that there's power. Life and death is found in the power of the tongue. Your words matter. They matter. When you say something like, Oh, you know... I can't read that over there. Ah, it's because I'm getting old. Or all of a sudden, you start feeling aches in your back, and you're like, ah, you know, it's because I'm getting old. It's just part of the process. Guess what you're going to get? The Bible says you get what you believe. According to your faith, be it unto you. And if you believe that your memory is going to get worse, and your body is going to get worse physically, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I'm telling you, folks, if, if this life was meant to be a life of suffering and pain when you get older, who would want to get older? Okay, I'm just being honest now. If you really believe that life is supposed to just get worse and worse, sick, 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 arthritis, 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 bad memory, bad hearing, I'm telling you, who would want to get older? I wouldn't. I'd rather just say, God, just take me now. <laughs> you know, that's the, I can't enjoy my life. I'll probably be bedridden. Right? Right? And that's why I speak life into my body, into my wife's life. I'm not going to let the circumstances dictate my life. I will, in a sense, run, of course, with the wisdom and the grace of God. I'll know that I can live a good life that's prosperous and satisfying. And I know when you're bedridden 22 hours a day, that's not a satisfying life. We know that. We know that. And that's why these words that we speak where you say, oh, you know, every time, this, every time of the year, this season, oh, I always get a cold. Guess what you're going to get? The Bible says, according to your faith, be it. you're speaking it into existence. The Bible says that God spoke in Romans chapter 4, that God spoke things that are not as though they were. And many of us are speaking things into existence that are negative. Oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, you're struggling. You're going to always be in debt. Guess what? When you keep focusing that you're in debt, 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 guess what's going to happen? You're going to be in 
debt because you're focusing all your energy to that. Now, Amit Goswami is a nuclear physicist that has an amazing book called God is Not Dead. And basically, his argument that consciousness is the ground of all being. So in other words, look at it like this. Your consciousness, what you believe, will affect your environment. It will affect your surroundings. Masaru Emoto, the experiment that he did with water. How many of you are familiar with that experiment with water? Now, this is a very famous one that a lot of people know about. This Japanese guy, with this experiment is that he got water, he put it in a container. What he would do is that he would expose this water in a container to music, different types of music, certain types of words, prayers, right? Uh, and consciousness, human consciousness, that he saw that the human consciousness has a direct effect on the molecular structure of water. So what does this mean? With these experiments that were, the water was put in these containers and frozen, he would put labels of words, positive words on these containers. He would put words like love, God, thanks, happiness. Then it would be frozen. It would be exposed to these positive words. And guess what would happen to the water after they examined it? It would form these beautiful hexagonical structures, beautiful like snowflakes. And then they would put negative words like death, hate, and all these other words that, that you could use as negative words, right? Then what happened to this water? It was chaotic. It wasn't this beautiful snowflake, right? That's why I speak life. I'm rich. I'm prosperous. We have more than enough. We have more than enough. Why? Because if I only had enough, I cannot give. My children, you'll say my children are healthy and strong, right? These are the things, folks, we need to speak life. You're not getting poor. You're not in debt. I'm telling you, you only think of, when you only think debt, that's what you'll get. If I tell you, I want you, if you tell your child, stay off of the street, Anak, what are they going to think about? What's the image that's in their head? The street. So even if you say, stay off the street or get out of debt, you're focusing on the street or debt. That's the way the law works. Don't sin. Don't do that sin. Well, guess what? Don't do that. It's focusing on that sin. But when you focus on, instead of saying, I am not sick in Jesus' name, I am not sick. No, change your language and say, I am well. Focus on the positive. Or when, if we are anti-war, we have all these rallies. You know, there's a saying that says, that which you resist will persist. If you are always against something, it's going to keep on going. Instead of being always anti-war, be pro-peace. Focus on the positive. Change your words. I am healthy. I'm strong. I'm living life of abundance. My parents are strong. My parents are well. Today's going to be a good day. And every time, this is my, my, my natural, my regular ritual. When I wake up, I go to the bathroom and I meditate in the bathroom. And I visualize my day. It's going to be a good day. You know the poverty, it's a mentality, folks. Did you know that? If you could get out of that situation, not by just trying to apply for a job, but it starts here. No, this is not my life. I can have more than this. And you start changing the way you think. Then your circumstances will start to change. But it always starts here. Now the next part is talking about what is real faith. And I, from my understanding, I think a lot of people don't understand what the word faith means. They'll say they believe, but they really don't believe. It's just belief up here. 
And I could even tell you, I want you to believe in your heart and it's still up here. Because what is real faith? The Bible even talks about that when you pray, Mark eleven twenty four, believe that you received it and it'll be yours. It does not say when you pray, believe that it's going to come to you one day and then one day it's going to be yours. Pray that you've already received it and it'll be yours. When you pray for something, pray. I'm going to teach you a kind of prayer that's much different because I don't think you need to pray for anything. Okay? I know that's new. But what is faith? <laughs> True faith is not just having a thought. Or let me give this example. How many of us, I'm guilty of this, have done this? You have your sticky notes. You have Bible verses of where you're prosperous, you're healthy, you're strong. You would put it on your mirror in the bathroom, in the CR. You would put it on your cubicle at work. You would put it near your bed. You would put it in the bathroom. And you're speaking all these verses like, I'm rich in Jesus Christ. God has met all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm prosperous, I'm prosperous. Another verse will say, by stripes, I'm healed, blah, 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 blah. And you're quoting and quoting and quoting, and then you realize it's not working. Can some of us admit that? I can. And people have looked into this more of why certain people would have these notes of declarations. They would do it hundreds and thousands of times. I'm rich, I'm prosperous. They're still struggling. And yet they're quoting from the Bible. They keep quoting verses, I'm healed, I'm healed. And they're still sick. Why? And this is what people realize. That the confession does not heal you. The confession is not faith. The thought is not faith. Do you know when you have real faith? Here's the thing. You'll know that your faith is real is when you feel it. What do I mean? Is that you feel the feeling that it's already done. It's not something, if I, you know, a lot of people would commend people that, who believe in healing. I believe one day I'm going to be healed. But guess what? If you always believe one day you're going to be healed, and praise God you believe in healing, but you're saying one day, one day, one day, guess what's going to happen? It's always going to be one day. What does the Bible say? By his stripes, you are healed. Isaiah 53. 1 Peter 2.24 takes it a step further. By his stripes, you were healed. And I'm telling you, New Testament is past tense. What Christ did was done. It's not going to happen now. It was already done. All your needs are already met. Already met. But imagine if it's not met, and you're always waiting on God to finally answer, you're never going to be at peace. Even financially, when you're waiting, God, how will you pay for this? Oh, but God will take care of me. No, I'll tell you this. God has already taken care of you. You see the big difference? It'll shift in your mind when you believe that it's already done. Now, one of the most amazing things that I've seen was that there's this uh, uh, story of this medicineless hospital in Beijing, China. How many of you are familiar with this? There's a medicineless hospital in Beijing, China, where a woman was diagnosed with cancer. And so... The problem was is that the doctors couldn't do anything about it in the West. I think it was in her bladder or something like that. They couldn't do anything, so she went to this medicineless hospital in Beijing, China. And these folks, from what we're aware of, they are not Christian. 
So here they got three practitioners. Three practitioners meaning there are three people that prayed for her, but it's not really called prayer, right? There are three practitioners that what they did, when you watch this video, you'll see a split screen of this woman's tumor. On one side of the screen is a still shot of her tumor. On the other side of the screen, it's in real time. It's live video, okay? So what happened? These three practitioners from China, they're not Christian prayer warriors. All they did, they just kept chanting a word. They just kept saying a particular word, right? Now, here's my thing about the chanting. It's not, there's no magic in that word, even in their word, okay? It's just whatever works for you. So they kept doing this, and guess what happened? In less than three minutes, the tumor disappeared. Oh, but Christians like, no, 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 that's demonic, though. That's demonic. <laughs> Folks, don't we believe healing is healing, that all good gifts are from God? All. It disappeared in three minutes. And so it was asked, what were these Chinese people saying? What were they chanting? You see, you see them going like this. And then you see in the real-time video, you just see the tumor disappearing. The gist of what these people were saying was this, already done, already done, already done, already done. And what they did is that they trained themselves to feel the feeling that it was already done. And that's how prayer is going to work when we do Christian healing, whatever you want to call it. That when you pray for someone in your mind, Feel the feeling that they're already well and you'll see the consciousness that you have affect that reality. Because you really have to ask yourself, what is reality? If we think reality is only what we see, that would be very sad. Because you look in your wallet, it's empty. You look at your body, it's sick. But if you could believe that there's this invisible realm that is superior to this visible reality that you can create through words, through the power of faith or belief in consciousness, that could affect your reality. And that's why, folks, when I approach a lot of people, I, did, I don't know if any of you have seen this, I, I did healing at ABS-CBN several months ago. And it was interesting because it looked like the healing that we were doing was so new for them. And they're Christian. Because I would just say, give me your hand, and then the, they would get healed and start crying. You can look this up on YouTube. Because it was going like this. It was so fast. They, we weren't begging. We were in, Father, please, Father, please heal. You see how that makes God look bad? That you have to beg your father for healing as if we have more compassion than God? Or has God given you everything? All you have to do is release. I'll keep going on faith. There was a story of this boy that I heard from the Healing Code where it talked about um, this boy was training in martial arts in China. He was a young boy. And a certain time of the year, they have a special event at this martial arts school to be able to show their progress in training. But the master told this, this little boy, and this is a true story, he told this little boy, at this event, you're going to break a certain type of brick. But the problem is, this boy never broke bricks before. And during the training, the master didn't let him practice breaking bricks. He just practiced a technique, but he didn't practice breaking the bricks. So how is he going to do this? So the boy was a little bit concerned, and he went up to his master saying, how am I going to break the bricks at the event? Then the master said, everything you need to know about breaking the bricks, you already know it. You already know it. So the day of the event, everybody did their thing. The boy was a finale. He's never broke bricks before, right? Then he bows to the crowd, he bows, uh, bows to the people. What do you know? Boom, nails it. He breaks the bricks. Then everyone was so surprised. The master went in front of the crowd, told everybody to be quiet. He said the reason why this boy was able to break the bricks, it wasn't because he was gifted or talented. 
is because he believed that without any doubt that he can do it. You know, there are things that you can do if you just believe that just seem impossible. Nothing is impossible. Curry Blake has one of my favorite quotes that says, the only hindrance to healing is the fact that you believe that there are hindrances to healing. If you have a hindrance to healing, there's going to be a hindrance to healing. But if you can remove those hindrances, all things are possible. Now, when it comes to visualization, now, this, is, this sounds scary to a lot of people when I mention the word visualization because they'll accuse me of new age. Okay, and I've been accused of that. <laughs> Folks, believe it or not, you do visualization every day. Right? Before you got on the jeepney, you thought about the street and the jeepney, you saw it in your head, you visualized it. It's just this word is scary because we think it's new age, new age. Now, some of us, we already know who Joseph Prince is. How many of you know who Joseph Prince is? And I'll use this just to reinforce, to say, hey, I'm not alone in this. Joseph Prince used to practice New Age before he was a Christian. And he realized that visualization is very powerful, that he learned, you know the saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know that saying? That just because a particular group, you don't like a lot of their beliefs, doesn't mean that everything that they believe is wrong. And what the New Agers have gone right a lot better than Christians have is visualization. It's the power of your imagination. People do this all the time. Joseph Prince did this is where actually he had his dream car when he was young was a, was a Honda Prelude. I don't see too many Honda Preludes here in the Philippines, right? But back in the day, his favorite car was a Honda Prelude. He didn't have one. So what did he do? He, he found someone who had his favorite car, the Honda Prelude. He got inside and took a picture with it. And every day he would look at that car and say, that's mine. That's mine. As if it's already done. He, he saw it, right? So what happened? Not too long after that, he got the money and he bought his dream car. One of his pastors, believe this or not, used to be very overweight. It's funny because people in the church didn't know him as being overweight because he was so skinny. They didn't know him as being overweight before. They said, what happened? What this guy did, the pastor, one of Joseph Prince's pastors, he took a picture of a guy with a slim body, and I think he put it in his bathroom or something like that. Every day he would look at it and say, that's my body. And to make it even more interesting, he even chose not to diet or to work out. And then guess what happened? It started to respond. Remember, your mind creates this reality of your cells functioning. You know, just like when you say, oh, if I eat that, I'm going to get fat. That's, that's what people tell you. That's what people tell you. If you eat that, you're going to get sleepy. If you drink coffee, you're going to stay awake. If you eat candy, you're going to get hyper. Because that's what you believe. That's what happens. Oh, man, there are times I eat a lot of candy. I'm not hyper. Right? There are times I drink coffee. It doesn't keep me awake. Because I don't believe that. But of course, if you believe it, it'll work for you. According to your faith, be it unto you. So with this visualization stuff, there was a woman that was starting to have chest pains. So she had an MRI scan that was done, and then she realized, she, they discovered that they found a mass in her body. So what happened is that she went to a healing center, and she would visualize sharks eating those cells, those cancer cells, right? So she goes to this healing center. I believe it was six months that passed. Was it six or four to six months? All of a sudden, she had this spontaneous vision, not just of the sharks eating the cancer cells, but she visualized her, her mass 
melting like ice and disappearing. Then next thing you know, right after that, no more. No more mass. It disappeared completely. It's powerful. With peop- even Michael Jordan even admitted that he, before he plays a game, he would visualize him shooting the last basket. And does it, isn't Michael Jordan known for that a lot? Because you almost you create your reality as you start to meditate, as you start to visualize. And it's not just visualizing. It's not just speaking. What is it? It's when you're feeling the feeling that it's a real thing. That's why as kids, when you're a child, you like to visualize that you're a superhero or you like to visualize things. But when you get older, you're taught not to visualize anymore because you just become too logical. And I'm telling you, it's the dreamers that get things done in this world. It really is. It's the dreamers. Who in their minds would have created the iPad 100 years ago? Imagine the people that first created the airplane or the car. If we were the critics, we'd be like, you're crazy. What are you doing? I'm building something called a car, right? Or an airplane. Or imagine creating a a photograph, a picture camera. Who would have imagined in their mind, one day I'm going to create something where I could get this image. And all of a sudden we started moving to movies, where now we have movies now. And now we have digital things with iPads where you move the screen like, no. Oh, yeah. It's the crazy people that get things done that are able to think beyond the norm and say, you think we're crazy, you think that's impossible, but watch. I see it here in my mind, and it'll be a reality. Dream. Dream your body well. Whatever your organ that's, that's having problems in your body, visualize it heal. If you have a problem walking, visualize yourself running. And don't just visualize it, visualize it to the point where you start feeling the feeling as though it's real now. And your body will just start to respond. This is powerful stuff, folks, if we really get this. Now, now I want to talk about something called resonance and entrainment. What is resonance and entrainment? Remember, everything gives off, consists of certain vibrations and frequencies. This is just a technical word, but if you get this, this is an amazing way to understand the way healing works. Resonance is basically an exchange of energy. There's an experiment that's done that if you, if you, in this room, you get one guitar, you put one guitar on one side of the room, you put another guitar on the other side of the room, if you pluck one particular string of the guitar, guess what's going to happen to the other guitar? The exact same string will vibrate. Why? Shared energy. Same frequency. If, if your piano and your guitar is in tune and you play the, the key G, the same string on the guitar, this is a different instrument, will vibrate. There's this exchange of energy. It's like a tuning in. What do I mean by that? It's like when you're tuning into a radio, you're trying to get the right frequency, right? You're tuning to your channel, favorite channel. Or when your husband says, I love you, and you're like, oh, <laughs> right? There's this exchange of energy that's going on. And that's what resonance does, is that there's this exchange of energy where basically another way of looking at it, it's called entrainment. And what does entrainment mean? Entrainment is that because everything has certain vibrations, not everything is at the same frequency, right? Some are faster, some other things are slower vibrations. So what does that mean? When, you in, when something is entrained, it means that it's finally going to match up the other thing. For example, if you have those, those, grand, you know, uh, the, the, those pendulum clocks that are on the wall, you know those pendulum clocks? 
if you set a couple of them side by side and they're not in sync or in phase with each other, within a couple of days, guess what's going to happen? They're going to be in phase with each other somehow. There's going to be, one of them's going to get in train. Another example would be if you were to take, uh, now women can admit this, my wife actually shared that this is actually true. If you put a bunch of girls in a room, in a dormitory, or in a house that live with each other, eventually your menstrual cycle will rhythmically entrain and match somehow. Have any of you women noticed that? I can't speak for myself, right? <laughs> right? Because all of a sudden, you'll just start to match with each other. You'll start to entrain with each other. So what does that mean when it comes to healing? Is that if a person's body is at a lower vibration, they're suffering from dis-ease, which is a disease, and me as a practitioner, or what is quote-unquote the healer, right? If I could raise my vibration in my body, the energy in my body, and that person is at a lower vibration because of their sickness or disease, through my touch, all of a sudden there would be a shared, I would raise my resonance, and all of a sudden their vibration would rise up to match mine, and it would be in train. There's also an experiment that was done with disembodied animal hearts. Disembodied animal hearts would put on a table, several of them were beating. Over time, all of a sudden, start beating in unison. It's, it's, it's universal. This entrainment thing. That's why people that you're around, it affects you. That's why choose your friends, man. I'm serious about that. When you're with your barcada, your group, you better be careful who you choose because you could either bring them up or they can bring you down. Or you could meet in the middle. <laughs> You see, but this, this is universal, folks. This is the way life works. This is the way healing works. And this is how you learn to raise your vibration. Now, another thing that's going on, especially you can look into this book called The Healing Code by uh, Dr. Alexander Lloyd. He talks about something called cellular memory. Now, what does cellular memory mean? That in other words, all memory is stored. Every single memory ever since you were born was stored somewhere. Guess where it's stored? In your brain? In your brain, and guess where else? Everywhere else in your body. People used to think that your memories are only stored in the cells in your brain, and they did a study where they even chopped up the brain to see exactly where your memories are stored, and they realized that all memory is stored in all of your cells in your body. So what does that mean? There are some documented cases of people who had organ transplants. Then when they had an organ transplant, the people who received the Oh, you know, the organ from the donor started having thoughts, feelings, cravings, and even dreams of the person that donated their organ. Why is that? Because the, the person's memories were stored in his cells that were in those organs and were given to another person. 90% of our memories are subconscious. What do I mean? Majority of your thoughts, you don't, you don't know them, your memories. Can you tell me what it feels like to be in your mom's womb? Do you remember? You don't remember. You don't remember the first time you came out of your mom. You don't remember the first time you walked. You don't remember your first birthday. But then again, 10% of your memories are conscious. What do I mean? What did you eat today for lunch? What was the first thing you did in the morning? When did you get your driver's license? When is your wedding anniversary? Can you remember those? Most of us, we can. So those things are conscious. Now, the 90%, they're not unconscious. I notice people using the terms unconscious. That's incorrect. Unconscious is when you're like this. <laughs> right? It's conscious, but you're not aware. And that's why there's been cases where people who have been hypnotized, 
or there are people who have had brain surgery, that even within their brain surgery, they would just stimulate a certain part of the brain, it would trigger memories of them in the womb. They would have memories of even when they were in the womb because that memory was always there, but just somehow it was triggered for them to be aware. Now here's my point, why am I talking about all these memories? Because the memories that we have are sometimes lies, they're sometimes falsehoods, they're sometimes bad experiences that we've had growing up, and what those memories do is that affects our body, and many of us, we don't even realize it. That's why there are times there are things that you just, oh, why am I acting like this? Why am I feeling like this? Because there's something in your body that's being reactivated again. It's a memory that you're just not aware of. And that's why some of us will have to, we, we, you know, when you go back to your past, you will realize that. Now, when it comes to these memories that I was mentioning earlier, why do I mention that? Because the things that we need to do with some of our memories that are, that are subconscious is that we need to have those memories healed. I'm not saying that you need to go back directly to those memories, but over time, Remy, Remy, you guys don't know my wife, my wife would ask me sometimes because I tell her stories of my past. That if you hear some of my stories, it'd be like, wow, that's, that's rough. How could you just share that with like no pain in your heart? And it's funny because I would tell Remy that I didn't do like a, a deliverance thing where I had to go back to that specific memory, you know, and visualize Jesus holding me. I didn't do any of that stuff, right? But it's weird, just over time as I started to grow in the understanding of God's love, I really believe His love just flooded me that when I would look back at a painful memory, it doesn't even affect me. Now, some of you can go back, but I, I don't always encourage that because that could even just create more problems in your body, right? But I just realized the more I understood more about God's love and more about God's grace, I look back at some of my painful memories. They're no longer painful. They're still there, but they're no longer destructive. And some of us, if you think of a, your past, some of you have a memory that will create depression in you if you keep dwelling on it. And those memories got to be healed because remember, it all starts from memory and then it affects the body. Because this is the way God created our bodies for our immune system to fight off diseases and bacteria. It's meant to heal itself. 